0: My troop, through whom my words are threaded, as lovers soon wedded, turn line to loop, an actor of whip according to rafter, his starry masks be made of us fathers, twin writers looking a smile a frown each, one back to the garden, one front to the beach, and others and I, as Rhyme long hovers, writing the rest into reach.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Soul Scene. This week we're talking about speech tell me about the poem man
0: it is describing my solo scene which for new time listeners is kind of synonymous with ideal Mm -hmm. group of friends who are very artsy and theatrical and writerly Mm. and it's in line with this episode which is about speech and was inspired in part by us kind of being i think a little bit reflective about the way we talk on this podcast the way we talk outside of the podcast, and at least on my part, how much the people I speak to and the things I listen to really, really directly shape the way that I talk. You You're know like what I mean? like a sponge. Like a sponge, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I could design in the solo scene a group of people to whom I'm Spongy. riffing and raffing yeah. and and verbally sparring, mm-hmm. then this is what they'd be like.
1: I like that. The poem was a very clear vision of the people you'd like to have in your friend group, articulate. Yeah. And it used a lot of the tips that I have come up with for this episode. Tips and tricks. Yeah. So we're going to go through the how, the where, and the what? Sure. Of speech in this whole scene. Okay. So we're starting with where.
0: Where do people talk to each other? Right Which now, mediums? Other? Now it's in the DMs.
1: Sliding into the DMs. The
0: dreaded Dungeon Masters, the DMs, and it's on MySpace, Slack, Bebo, everywhere but the real world. It's true. That's what it can feel like. That's not really what it feels like. Sometimes. Sometimes, it.
1: I feel like there have been days recently where all of my interactions up until 7 p.m. have been virtual because you've been working very late. And so I'll have online meetings and things, and then I'll be like, I haven't spoken to a human.
0: Do you think that digital communication has affected real-life communication? Certainly. Do you think it's because kids these days just run around saying, lol, Y D?
1: No. I think via text, at once we've gotten less specific. It's just like very vague communication. But we've also exaggerated quite a lot. I think those two things have leaked into real-life conversation because online perhaps you rely on emojis or rely on context or codes sort of thing to communicate. Sure. And so when we're speaking to humans, you kind of don't know how to communicate something. So you'll just say like laughing emoji or something like that. Flames. Those types of things. And that's like less common, but I think the exaggeration is a bit more common. You
0: mean slang? You mean to proliferate slang faster? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay.
1: And then I also think we exaggerate quite a lot. But like, how do you think it's impacted our real speech?
0: Well, I was kind of leading with that LOL thing because I think that's, that used to be the fear, like the predictions that older people would have about how text speak would Mm -hmm. infect the real world speak. But I don't think that's exactly happened. Like, when you speak to young people, they aren't just saying acronyms. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I wanted to pick up on was actually not so much the words we use, but the way we say them. I think that texting and posting and online communication in general has for sure affected our nonverbal communications and our expressiveness. Namely, I think that young people, myself included are kind of monotonous when they talk more often that makes sense like i think when you hear young older people tell stories they're better at telling stories and they're better at embodying feelings as they speak Mm -hmm. and they they just feel more or they sound more expressive they sound like they believe the things they're saying Mm -hmm. i think for young people it's like oh yeah that's lit yeah or like oh that sucks
1: yeah my sister is very much like that but she has And she's faced a lot of criticism for it. Her friends are always like, why are you just like, oh, that's funny. She's like, well, it is funny. Like, it's funny, but I'm not going to like be over the top about it and like slapping my knee because that's not how I feel. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. that's that's entertaining.
0: Yeah, maybe it it could just be that we are more numb emotionally, period. And Mm -hmm. so that's reflected. But I also think often we have difficulty conveying emotion in speech Mm -hmm. and... It's probably a little bit of a bigger conversation than I was actually prepared to uh, talk about today regarding the way that just like reaction videos and gifts Mm -hmm. and the way we almost outsource our emotions or our reactions, our expressions to things that happen in life.
1: Mm -hmm. We're probably kind of tired of those like over the top things. So in a way we embody trying to like be counter to those.
0: Yeah, I mean, I also think uh, it's just style. Mm -hmm. Like I do think it's just a stylish thing to be cooly cool when whenever things happen. You know, true. stoic even. So I don't think it's exactly just like a, oh this is happening to the youth like bad phenomenon. But another thought I had about the way digital communication has impacted us is that because I feel this urge too, we want to share every thought. That's so so much the temptation that anytime something interesting is witnessed or felt or experienced during the day, I either want to tell the person who i'm near like look what i just saw mm-hmm. for everything yeah or if there's nobody near text usually you mm-hmm. and sometimes i have to consciously stop myself and be like that can be saved yeah because if it's that neat then it will make for a fun retelling in, in person and i think sometimes also like i do this i do this when people text me also mm-hmm. if it seems like it's some kind of interesting news or something i'm actually curious about I'll deliberately leave it until I see the person like yesterday you messaged me and were like oh I just chipped my tooth and I was (laughs) like what that's so crazy but I didn't really ask any questions until I get home because I think it's more of a it's more intimate that way
1: yeah I think that's gonna be like our first tip of like saving things for being in person because I have done this quite a lot with almost all of my relationships if something happens to me during the week that i'm like oh i'd like to talk to this friend about perhaps it pertains to them even like for example some of my friends and i are going on a vacation soon and there have been a few things come up that i'm like oh we need to kind of sort through this and i have thought i'll just text them make a group chat but we see each other two times a week so it's like why not just wait it's not that pressing and kind of de deprogramming yourself to think that everything's very pressing yeah and like if you forget it you forget it then it probably wasn't that pressing
0: but i think that's partially also you know it's an it's an actually accurate observation that older people make about people our generation are younger say oh every time they're together they're just on their phones Mm -hmm. and it kind of is true but i think part of that is because everything that they would have been talking about they've already shared Exactly. In fact, they've already texted each other or, or posted on IG about...
1: Yeah, and sometimes I fear that I am harming my relationships by doing this because everyone else is doing that. Like, oh, something happens with a boyfriend and they have to message their friend about it to get advice. Mm-hmm. But I don't do that, so I kind of lose out on that sort of bonding aspect. But immediate,
0: it's... distant bonding.
1: Right. But I think if you're intentional about it and like intelligent about interpersonal relationships, you can still make it work in that... You don't have to text someone to ask them for help. You can just maybe next time you see them, ask them for advice or even just ask them to do something for
0: you. Are there emojis in the cellar scene? I do you, suppose. Do you use emojis? Not really. I, think I, I, like... I use
1: two. I use the heart one on oh. almost every test.
0: That's just like a grandma. X's X and O's on, on yeah, bad guys. Those much. are basically emojis.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like that crazy emoji. Okay. You know, with the eyes, it's all like wacky. Yep. And I think it often means like, whoa, so drunk or something like that i think it does i think it means like oh about getting wasted and stuff okay you know what i mean
1: yeah
0: in terms. um but i like using it because i'm not that kind of person so i think it's mm-hmm.
1: funny
0: yeah like oh just had two cakes with that Ooh. emoji <laughs> yeah <I> like that <laughs> i like I that one and i'm also it's kind of my trademark thing is the frog
1: frog your your contact name in my phone still just has your full name and the frog emoji yeah
0: full name middle name
1: it doesn't have the middle. Now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Handwriting in the sewing scene.
1: Like cursive or just writing by hand? Both. Yeah, certainly much more common, much more. Our hands are going to get sore. Like some people, when they're writing, will be much
0: more used to that. Yeah, I've written many more words in my life than you have. To it's say true, to.
1: but you always say that your hands are sore.
0: So my thing is I press like a demon into the paper.
1: Yeah. I press so that's what I'm I saying. We'll be taught man. how to write correctly.
0: Yeah, impregnate the notebook with my oh ideas. God. But. Okay, flashback to grade four. Mm. You must learn this in mm. high school. You will need cursive. They will not grade printing. As they yeah. Called it. We were obviously the last generation to be told that because nobody else gets taught cursive anymore. We were mm. barely taught it. Like, I'm not going to act like I'm from a different bygone era where cursive was no. known because we were not taught it properly. No. But the more I think about it kind of objectively, it's a really lovely idea to everybody have a personalized form of handwriting it's almost feels like an act of rebellion to have your own fonts in a day when almost everybody's font just increasingly resembles helvetica mm-hmm. comic songs
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's wonderful i love both of my parents have probably two of the most distinct handwritings i've ever seen in my life yeah. my dad's looks like daggers Every letter is the sharpest letter,
0: like I even think, the O's. I think that's just how dads write. I think Maybe. at some point, the paternal instinct kicks in and you just start writing like you're...
1: You're stabbing, like the, stabbing air. the edge. Yeah, so that's my dad. My mom's the opposite. It's like yeah. little bubbles. Bubbles. But it's so
0: that's, cute. That's, <laughs> it's so interesting that... I mean, there's probably a reason about being socialized as way. Well, but girls and boys always have different handwriting. Yeah. And there's a <laughs> whole science about you can analyze personality by handwriting, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm guessing that is... Losing its effectiveness, yeah. As people, as I say, write more and more like Helvetica, and even you and I, we both print more often than not. Also, our writing looks eerily similar. That's what I was just going to say. It's very creepy. We say it's eerily, but I'm sure it's yeah. It's almost the standard at this point mm-hmm. because how much variation can there really be when an O is just suck? circle? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's I think that's that should come back in the sort of handwriting. I, is such a great Thing and also, I was telling you this week I saw an ad. A, a targeted ad online about a tablet that feels like paper. Mm. I don't remember the name of it, but it was like the, the third edition, third version of it. And the commercial that I, I sought out because I was so intrigued by it, and I thought it would be a worth a Soacene mention as an example of un technology. Yeah. Because it's pretty much the whole selling point is just, look, it mimics paper. There's no distractions. And it really <laughs> feels like it. And it's like, so does paper. Have
1: you heard of paper? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very unsolicene. So, in the scene, we'll be handwriting more. Do you think there'll be letters being sent yes. often? Okay,
0: I think I think there'll be letters being sent often. I do reflect sometimes about the fact that you and I got to know each other for two years or so via text. Via text.
1: Yeah, and I remember at one point when I was working at the church, I was talking to like my boss, like the head pastor, about like our distance relationship, and he said. Oh, yeah, me and my wife were distant for a couple of years and yeah. we had to send letters.
0: We were sending letters also, Yeah, say that, but obviously that was more of a conscious, like, it was more like mini gifts every time rather than mm-hmm. the, the day-to-day communication was was mm-hmm. day-to-day. It was immediate.
1: Yeah. So I think letters will be more common. I had that we'd bring back landlines, mm-hmm. not even like the ver- like the ones that are cordless, like I think being plugged into the wall because I think it's important to be able to like reach people quickly because yeah. there's when we watch old movies it's kind of scary of like this woman's living alone, she has no phone the murderer comes in to kill her and like she can't.
0: Yeah I don't find that that scary it's just the way things work. I like the, walk, the walkie talkie feature. It's okay. almost like going even more into the direction of connectedness but I think mm-hmm. because it's more that way, like the, the Apple watches you can do the walkie talkie on Yeah, I think you you need to be within a distance right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat. I don't know about landlines, they seem a little bit just outdated for the sake of it. But regarding letters, those are so pure and personal because the other person has touched it, engraved it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you carve into the paper.
1: Spritzed it with your perfume.
0: Did you ever be like in a romance movie and huff the paper after I wrote it to you, like smell it? No. No.
1: You didn't do that for my paper? No. That's surprising.
0: You smell the paper?
1: Yeah, you smell everything. You kind of like...
0: <laughs> like kiss it every night before I go to sleep. Yeah. I am a big smelly boy. You are. A nose boy, should I say. Um. Both. But I think about even... There's obviously the, the romance thing, but even just friends. Like, you always hear about old authors, your C.S. Lewis's and your Tolkien's, mm-hmm. who have volumes and volumes of letters that have sent each other over the years. Mm-hmm. And that's such a kind of... I guess because you can keep it, yeah, and you can quickly scroll through them, unlike texts for one thing, and also there's an effort involved in it, unlike texts. You know, I'll just throw this one out on the mm-hmm. toilet, like exactly. that. You're not writing letters on the toilet, I hope not. Anyway,
1: yeah, maybe we should make it a 2024 resolution to write more letters. Well,
0: it's kind of like you're telling the person that they are worth the inconvenience.
1: Mm-hmm. And so- the- price like it does cost to pay them
0: yeah like in the solar scene today it's it will always be less convenient to send a letter but mm-hmm. you're telling them i value you above that convenience mm-hmm. i guess that's nice what about those voice texts voice memos i have i noticed in your friend group seems to be really you
1: know. it's just coming with one of my friends and then also one of like colleague, i suppose you could say that i'm working with right now and she sends me voice messages for everything and it's it's hard to get used to because you can't listen to them just anywhere, whereas texts you can read anywhere. Mm. And so because of that,
0: it's sort of private.
1: Yeah. It's also like I'm working at exams right now. So there's kids writing exams and I can't just like play a voice memo. That's annoying. You have to wait until you're at home. And I think because of that, it makes you a bit more conscious of like the communication. So I don't hate it. I think it's also more personal because you get to hear the person's voice. Yeah. And it's like, obviously, phone calls would be better, but then you have to arrange a time that you can both.
0: I think it's something that in a sci-fi, it would be like, or in, a, in like a fantasy from 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. there will be a magician who could send his voice mm-hmm. in bubbles to other people. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of neat. I don't do it.
1: I know. <laughs> yeah. I I do it to some people, but not to others. Why? Because some people, also I guess it depends on the topic. If it's something that's going to be five long texts, then I'd rather just say it. Why? Because I find I can express myself better verbally than written.
0: Maybe that's why I don't do it.
1: Yeah, you're a very good writer. But I feel like I'm better at getting points across quickly if I'm speaking them. But when I text, I tend to ramble and contradict myself even.
0: don't mention all the typos.
1: All the typos, yeah.
0: Kind of my, my last point about where we should talk in the service and where we should communicate is just a general in uncomfortable places. Like I think it's good to go out of your comfort zone, especially when it's so easy to shrink into digital, anonymous outlets. So I was thinking about how so many people today are so anxious making phone calls, mm-hmm. myself included. I've gotten much better at it because I used to, my family always used to make me always on the off occasion that we'd order pizza mm-hmm. they always used to chuckle and make me do it because they knew how, how much I like detested it I have to build myself up for like 5 to 10 minutes Yeah, and it's like why is that why why did people get like that
1: I suppose lack of exposure to it.
0: yeah lack of exposure and I, I guess another part of this more of a negative is that I don't think we should be filming ourselves mm-hmm. so often I think it's even fine or finer if you have somebody else film you like even just your friend, put the camera on you because mm-hmm. then i still think it's a in some way a dialogue rather than just you feeling like you are controlling every part of you mm-hmm. every part of what is uploaded i suppose
1: yeah that makes sense yeah. i think another part of why we're nervous to talk to people is almost every time you talk to someone there's a tiny form of rejection maybe they don't you and you have to re-say something and we're not super used to that it especially happens when we speak french to people but in english too i feel like every time you talk to someone they're like what was that or like maybe sometimes even more rude but then you're you feel bad you start to fumble a little bit um i had a few more ideas for where we talk in the solo scene i suppose we talked about it on many of our semesters but having a community bulletin board it's just central physical space where you can post and communicate things within a certain area. Because we often talk about there's events that go on outside our front door. Like there was a bike race once yeah. there have been parades, there have been demonstrations and we just don't know they're happening. And it's like, this is no exaggeration on our front doorstep. So why did we know about this? If there were was some slight kind
0: exaggeration. Of... Not always. On the front doorstep.
1: It's, I think having a community bulletin, newspaper, radio, like pop culture, but like in a in a bubble. So I think that's good. Bringing back community spaces that allow for a bit more conversation because at the moment our only options are really going to a cafe. And I find, I, I mean, I don't know, I've never asked the baristas this, but I imagine it gets annoying being the only person a lot of people are talking to in a day. Like, people probably dump a lot of uh, having a bad day. You know, like
0: a hairdresser or a taxi driver?
1: Kind of like that, yeah. yeah. I feel like they probably get irritated because people are dumping information on them.
0: Trauma dump.
1: Trauma dump. No. They don't want to hear. No. <laughs> but not even just that. Just like, oh, you know, like even good things. But I feel like it would get a bit frustrating. So in the solo scene, more spaces for the, the customers to talk to each other. Because at yeah, a grocery store, you're not going to talk to someone... For more than like two seconds, saying, "Can you reach the cereal for me?" Because it's not really conducive to that. But in spaces like bowling alleys, arcades, um, movie theaters, restaurants, because imagine having a restaurant where you're a regular, you're going to yeah.
0: Or imagine a cinema where afterwards they have a, a space that's called like the feeling forum, hmm. the feelings forum. Yeah. Where you're meant to go to discuss the film afterwards or something like
1: that. Yeah, and I feel like these all all of these spaces resemble a cafe. Yeah. But it's like maybe it's not centered around coffee. It can be centered around food, film, or an activity.
0: I'm reminded of, I think it was our last year of undergrad, where we had a we were in the same course, and we had a project that was to do a model UN. Mm-hmm. And it's like, adults don't get model UNs. No. There is no opportunity for this. For it's this true. kind of thing. And the reason I'm reminded of it is because I... Didn't participate. Didn't participate. Yeah. I took the zero on it.
1: You've grown some fun.
0: I've grown some then. It was partially, I think we're really good at rationalizing things to avoid facing our own kind of insecurities. So I would always be like, oh, I don't care about this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be Kenyan. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be of any use to me. But really, I think it was much more a fear of like, I don't want to have to talk in front of 80 people, however many people are in the course. Mm-hmm. But you did it. It was fine, right?
1: Yeah, it was fine. But I've never really had a fear of public speaking, Yeah, which is fortunate. I think that was part of growing up in church where once a week you'd have to go up on stage and sing a little song or whatever. I had one more thing about where, and this I think we'll maybe disagree about, but I think having people over. Because I find there were people growing up who you would just always be like, yeah, come in for tea, come in for dinner even. It's like we don't like make an extra portion of food in case someone pops by. I think in the soul scene not everyone but I think there'll be a bit more of a culture of that just like popping by and I think that's nice or inviting people over yeah that sort of thing like last night we had a dinner party then today I'm going to someone's for tea and it's like these two things are very rare that they happen but it's kind of nice and that also creates a place of where people can get to know each other more intimately than they could in a workplace or in even like out in public like if you're meeting out At a cafe, you're not going to be, like, spilling your guts. Yeah. But perhaps if you're in someone's home. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I like, the Odyssey. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's all about hospitality. Come over, play some Guitar Hero Organism of the Week.
1: The Organism of the Week? Okay. I chose this and then realized I might have done it before. But some organisms, they just are my favorites. Especially this time of year. Yeah, but we're not
0: supposed to to redo. Is this some kind of Christmas spice? Let me guess. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. (laughs) Cinnamon. Ginger. Oh, it's twin.
1: Yeah. So, ginger is a flowering plant whose rhizome root is used as a spice and in folk medicine. It is a perennial whose false stems of rolled leaves are one meter. You know what a false stem is? No. It doesn't actually have a stem, it's just a bunch of leaves that kind of roll up to make a stem. Oh. And then the flower goes at the top. But the flower is directly attached to the rhizome through a tube and then the leaves kind of wrap around the tube and then support the flower. Kind of cool. The flowers are pale yellow with purple edges. Sounds very beautiful. They originated in maritime Southeast Asia and that was kind of like the only place that they were native, but they reached as far as Hawaii during the Austeresian expansion, which I didn't know about, but apparently in about 5,000 BP. Have you ever heard of BP also? I'd never heard of that and then I was learning a bunch of new things. The so BP is before present, and present being 1950 when they discovered carbon retrograde. Is that what it is? Yeah, is this like
0: the secular version of dating the past? Yeah. I don't like that. I was just... It's Christmas time. Well, come on. <laughs> I do BP in December.
1: Okay, let's do the math. <laughs> like 2000 BC. Maybe even more. 2000 BC. So anyway, very long time ago, there was ginger proliferated all over the earth. So that was kind of like the first globalization that happened pre like colonialism and such. So ginger has a rich history in folk medicine, not just in Southeast Asia, but all over the world. And as I said, like as far as Hawaii. So it's native to one area, but culturally it has been a part of many cultures because of this expansion. And so it's in a lot of folk medicine. And I always find it interesting that it's probably the one folk medicine that you can find in like the Johnson and Johnson brand. Because it's just it works for nausea and stuff. And it's also delicious for making gingerbread men. I should and have brought smoothies. one. And smoothies.
0: One second. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned ginger because I actually just uh, whipped up this batch of Oh, you meats.
1: just whipped it up, did you?
0: <laughs> is this going to be the first time somebody eats on the podcast? No, we'll never break it. No,
1: we'll never break it. Yeah. So, Ginger,
0: thanks for... Yeah, I think it's a superfood. For being around. Technically. Yeah. Cool. I think it's actually... Yeah, I think it's actually a superfood. Uh, yeah. As if there's a strict categorization. Yeah. So we talked about where people are talking in the solo scene or which mediums we're doing. So now let's talk about what they're talking about and how they'll be doing so. Firstly, I wanted to mention a pet peeve I have. Big, big pet peeve, which is the upward inflection at the end of the sentence. <laughs> and I did that on purpose, but but I know that I do this all the time on the podcast. Really? I, I believe I don't do it outside of the podcast but i think mm-hmm. it's my my again i think it's a it's an insecure like trying to it's a subtle insecurity a insecurity about trying to get people to like you or something mm-hmm. i detest it it's as if you're not confident in anything and you're just asking mm-hmm. everything as a question like i could be i could be talking about my life and say like well yeah this morning i had this for breakfast and it's as if you're <laughs> it's as if you're offering it to people yeah and you're wanting them to accept it desperately yeah and that might be reading too much into it but because I know that speech patterns they just change over time. Like that mm-hmm. makes sense. But I really think that's that's the root of this one. And I yeah. think if you notice yourself doing it, maybe record yourself talking for an hour or something. Mm-hmm. Try and stop because I think it makes you seem weak.
1: Well, we've been talking a bit about how we downplay almost everything we say mm-hmm. by using like that inflection of yeah, the told voice. Yeah, I
0: want to stop saying just. Well, yeah, I I'm don't. just here to... I'm just wondering. It's like, no, you're wondering. Yeah. You're not just mm-hmm. arriving, you're arriving.
1: Yeah, so cutting those words that... I often also say I read, like, not claiming knowledge as my own, even if...
0: Oh, on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading that. Well, like, uh, yeah, you know, I read that. Because time.
1: then, for some reason, I have this fear that someone's going to message me, be like, well, do you actually know? Like, where did yeah. that come from? Just pluck it up in the air. And it's like, this is a conversation. It's not
0: peer-reviewed study.
1: Yeah. So trying to be confident. Obviously now we've brought attention to these things and people are going to be listening, taking notes of how many times we do it the rest of the episode. (laughs) a lot. But we're working on it. Small talk. Yeah, that was my first point of what people talk about. I like small talk, honestly. Hmm. It's a good way to live.
0: How consciously do you approach (laughs) it?
1: Quite consciously.
0: So you, you have a plan? Usually. Okay.
1: I don't just say oh how's the weather i tend to if there's nothing like if there's absolutely nothing for me to talk to a person about mm. then i won't
0: so let's say today's sunday we're recording tomorrow's mm. monday the monday grind mm-hmm. someone says good morning how was your weekend what would you say what would you, what would you say
1: i'd usually say i never say it's just good okay i would say oh it was wonderful i had this and this and this so you describe was things that would happen Yeah, and I find that often catches people a tiny bit off guard because it's like, well, I didn't want to know what you did, but then at least it opens up an avenue for them to say, oh, you recorded a podcast? Oh, you met up with friends? These types of things? Yeah,
0: small talk is its this thing where, because I used to detest it. Mm -hmm. I used to be really, and you can testify, I used to be like always bemoaning small talk. Mm -hmm. I like big talk. Why does everybody small talk? Mm -hmm. But really it's an indictment on you. If you are 'Cause you shouldn't small talk actually shouldn't last right. for very long. Because if you're that just means you're bad at it, basically. Right. Small talk is effectively whatever you want it to be. If you want it to be a gateway into actual discussion about what you did on the weekend, what they did on the weekend, getting to know each other, then you can easily pivot into the, into that. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be about politics, what Biden said mm-hmm. or what the Montreal Canadians did in hockey, then you can easily pivot it into that. You know, like you can actually yeah. make it whatever you want to be. If you have a modicum of awareness and skill in it. For me, I think, that's why I ask, like, how consciously do you approach it? Because I don't really usually think about these things. Okay. But what I've noticed is that I will most often look for a joke immediately. So, like, if someone asks me, like, oh, what would you do this weekend? I'd be like, well, I tried pomelo. Mm-hmm. Like, I talk about fruit or something like that. Like, I'm, yeah. I always look for, like, a kind of innocuous gag. And again, I don't know if this is getting to like therapy episode, but yeah. I think it's I think it's there's a relevance to it. I don't know if this is me just not wanting to to engage in anything more substantial than that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I just like being I think I just I like laughter. Like that's kind of what I value, what in, value in social situations. Yeah. It's like how quickly can we both laugh?
1: And for me, I find when I don't go into small talk consciously is when I go away from it like, why'd you say that? sort yeah. of thing. And I think it's really important to try and intentionally improve your small talk skills as a way of humanizing the people you are exactly passing on the street like passing on the street is a bit extreme but the person at the cashier to just not even say how are you is i think a little dehumanizing yeah a few times that i i don't go through checkouts very often because everything is self-checkouts but there's one grocery store here that only has real checkouts mm. so whenever i say Oh, how are you doing? Like, people are almost surprised that I asked them. Because I think we've all gotten so tired of it.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was a cashier, and there'd be some repeat characters who would just, you'd always have the exact same stock interaction with, and it was Mm -hmm. so funny. And even some people would make the same joke every single day, (laughs) or say the same thing with the exact same intonation. The thing is, online, there's no small talk. Like, if I go on Reddit, and want to talk about biden Mm -hmm. i can go straight into it to break the ice don't need to break the ice don't need to introduce myself yeah don't need to first establish anything in terms of like social you just start talking because it's anonymous and it's online and there's no kind of social cues or obstacles that you need to navigate Mm -hmm. so i think that might be why people are losing patience more in real life with small talk if that is happening yeah. but in the social scene of course it exists like it's just it's pretty much just talk among strangers. That's what small talk is. Yeah. It's very quickly, like even with co-workers, if you work together for a month and you mm-hmm. like each other, there's no more small talk. You're just right. immediately into talk.
1: But there has to be some sort of breaking news. I'm sure when we met, there was small talk at first. you
0: remember what it was, though?
1: You said bananas are berry.
0: That's exactly an example yeah, i I always, talk you about. <laughs> I always talk about fruit because I find fruit funny. Yeah. And if someone else finds fruit funny, then that means we're a common ground. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just if you establish a... Shared sense of humor immediately. Then to me, that signals this person is probably like you've me. been
1: saying that lately. That humor is—I never really realized this about you until right now—that that is your language, yeah, humor. Because I feel like I used to be, but then I got too sarcastic. Hmm. That it was probably veering into mean.
0: Yeah, I'm not just <laughs> <it's down laughs> sarcasm. No, it's you're not sarcastic, 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 but I mean sarcastic.
1: with me, yeah. And so I've stopped being sarcastic and therefore I feel like I'm not the most funny person anymore.
0: <laughs> maybe also this is about the the meme exchange. Mm-hmm. No, like if you randomly sitting next to someone in class like You huh. kind <laughs> of a picture of a cheeseburger with the buns and the atties. Yeah. But I think that's what that is. It's just a maybe a more modern version of it. You know, the sharing the memes in the group chat or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. I have another what which is constructive conversation which is very soul scene. And that's what we do every week and strive to do every week. And sometimes we can fall short of that. I think talking too much in the weeds of like the bad things or perhaps even too fantastical at times. Right. So being constructive. And I think people in the soul scene, well, maybe they see an issue because right now the common grounds, I was recently added to a Facebook group called rat and rave of my hometown. And people are just constantly posting can you believe this has happened to me? And yeah, so I, I think like that's the common ground.
0: I was thinking, yeah, the common ground, in my experience of most adults, is like, look at this new road development. Mm-hmm. Like this roundabout, what a mess that is. How are they allocating this much money for this? Why is the construction taking this long? But like it's, it's always, yeah. I mean, it's shared, which I guess is good, but it's gripe. So gripey.
1: And it's like, we know that everyone hates it. So <laughs> why not, when we are talking about it, say,
0: what, what do you was... think
1: they could do yeah. instead of this? Yeah. And then I think that would create positive change because the grapes, I'm sure, get back to the town council who's doing it, but they're sure. like, well, what else are we supposed to do? Yeah, basically,
0: the solo scene on a micro level is what, yeah. what we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, that's neat. I was also, so it's, it's interesting to say constructive because one of my kind of words of the episode was intimate or intimacy, which similar to the letters has such a romantic connotation these Good. days. Like, I think if I told you I had a six month long pen pal exchange with, some other twenty-four-year-old man mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think is that weird, but there yeah. would be a touch of you as like that's a bit weird mm-hmm. because we don't do that anymore unless it's among uh, long-distance relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think also with intimacy, like that word, we think of it as solely reserved for romance, mm-hmm. but you can have an intimacy with just with just platonic, platonic friends, mm-hmm. and intimacy. It also doesn't mean like. Hugs and therapy speak, and even even talking that deeply about things. It's just the tone of conversation can be can be like eye to eye, like we're
1: like we're finishing each other's sentences, sort of. Some,
0: yeah, yeah but we're just we're on a, on the same wavelength. Like I have an example from this week when someone said to me in small talk, "Oh yeah, I'm going to a jazz club," and for me because I have more than a passing interest in jazz and i really want to go to a jazz club as you know but kind of don't but it's, it's always just this object of fascination to me our first date we tried to go to a jazz club we did but we weren't old enough um <laughs> i was so interested in it and i kind of leapt on it and i was like it's a jazz club and she said yeah and i was like so they play jazz <laughs> and she said yeah and i was like so you sit around tables she's like yeah and i said and you eat either before or during She's like yeah and, they, and there's smoke in the air so like, yeah and, I'm like, and there's a saxophone which is like you see what I mean there's a there's yeah. a kind of intimacy here in the, and also constructive even when we're just constructing this mm-hmm. reality yeah and often it, it's not even a, necessarily about the the verbal interaction I like guess people we're on YouTube if you want to see what I was doing but you can kind of like I'm not very good with hand gestures but I have strange ones I think like mm-hmm. for smoke in the air you can kind of rub your fingers together and you're you're just trying to you're trying to feel the same thing as the other person as you're talking, even if it's about mm-hmm. something as innocuous about what you're going to do this weekend. Yeah,
1: And I like this idea of intimacy because I find since the internet, because there's no filter there for the most part, it's not uncommon for everyone to know your life story the way that perhaps it was when I was younger. Mm. I didn't have that like detailed like history with people, but now everyone I meet, it's kind of like you... You don't have that barrier, for me at least, when you meet. But there that doesn't necessarily mean intimacy, like knowing someone's whole life story.
0: Yeah, I don't actually care. To, like that's something that actually really does bother me about small talk and mm-hmm. meeting new people. So I just I, I don't care to say, I'm from England, oh, I moved Lord. to here, I went to school here, now I'm here doing this. Yeah. Like I, I don't like repeating that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but. so I think what you're saying and what I've experienced recently is like intimacy and really great relationships can sometimes be like we don't really know that much about each other, but we adore doing this together and have so much yeah. fun and can just like finish each other's sentences on certain topics. I think it's very nice. It
0: might also be synonymous with just being mindfulness with with just mindfulness in the moments and in the conversation with the other person. Like something else I realized from this week that I do I realized it immediately after the fact and was like, Oh, I do this a lot. I probably shouldn't do this Is whenever somebody offers me food, I always like without thinking instinctively say no thanks because mm-hmm. someone was eating peanuts and they're like, oh do you want someone i was like no thanks but then it the conversation had been good until then mm-hmm. but then it kind of it wasn't like this big dramatic moment but it took the air out of it for about mm-hmm. a few seconds immediately after because it it felt like you were just being rude to them mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i guess that's the opposite of intimacy and i think also regarding mindfulness it's just about because that's something i've obviously been conditioned to do from a young age for whatever reason not Mm -hmm. deliberately probably but it's just happened that you may don't want to burden other people or whatever so mindfulness is about being conscious to override those kind of things and actually processing like not giving the default how are you good Mm -hmm. do you want peanuts no thanks being kind of thinking yeah i like peanuts yes please
1: yeah even if you don't want to be like i really like them but i just ate i'm really full thank you so much though something like that I remember when it clipped for me to not automatically say no to people for everything because I would always say no. And then within perhaps even five seconds say, actually, yeah, I don't mind doing that for you because it was, it's, yeah, it's interesting. The mindfulness is like simple, but very useful. I think we're maybe leading into the how now. Okay. So what you were kind of saying with these types of things I had under the how section as like learning these skills and perhaps it being taught in the home, but also a bit in school. I mean, there used to be rhetoric classes of just like how to mindfully listen. And I think something that we do often is we listen, but immediately dump the information because perhaps we don't deem it important or it's just unconsciously we dump the information. The next time we see them, we don't ask, oh, how was that interview you had? How was, oh, you moved. How was that? And I think remembering details of things that people tell you it's obvious but we don't necessarily do it because we're so inundated with information that's a very useful thing in the solo scene
0: yeah also obviously not everyone's going to start a podcast but this has been by far the most illuminating exercise of my life in terms of changing the way that i talk in conversations in serious conversations and in passive conversations Mm -hmm has been the fact that I listen back to myself every every week and yeah. uh and will often give us notes. Like I know for instance I interrupt you quite frequently <laughs> on the podcast. Something we don't do on the podcast, but I thought it'd be interesting to mention swearing.
1: Yes. You Something swear? we don't do on the podcast so we do all the time. There. <laughs>
0: yeah. All of us Swear's like a sailor. Yeah. And my first thought on swearing was that because in the source scene I guess we both agree we don't like swearing.
1: Yeah. Because right now in the solo scene of two, we don't like swearing.
0: It's true. My first thought on it is just it's lazy.
1: I always thought that it's too.
0: Just, it's a really lazy way. Most swearing is emphasis. Mm-hmm. Instead of I really love this, you add it inside a swear word. Mm-hmm. People think it makes it stronger. Yeah. And I was reminded of in the Harry Potter books. In particular, I remember in the last one or maybe the last few when it got serious. Mm-hmm. But J.K. Rowling was still, in my opinion, not exactly a maestro with the prose. She would very often in arguments, argument scenes, fight scenes, just do all caps. Like mm-hmm. the characters would just scream in all caps with an exclamation point at the end. Yeah. And it's like, that's kind of a lazy way of getting across that they are shouting. Mm-hmm. Like you can do shouting even to to stronger effect than that without kind of abusing punctuation like a, like a kid kind of thing. And so I think it's similar in real life. You can actually express yourself in such a way that let's say what in the world can have Mm -hmm. quite a big effect Mm -hmm. like obviously swearing will always pack a big punch because it's swearing Mm -hmm. and it's not that zero people will ever swear ever Mm -hmm. in the solo scene
1: but it'll be a part of vocabulary I've heard people say this of like their words like people kind of in defense of swearing be like well their words are part of the vocabulary and I'm like they are but like don't use,
0: but don't use them every day especially even. not lightly yeah this is kind of not to get too heavy but it's it's kind of godlessness mm-hmm. and i was looking into the history of swearing and i got sidetracked by the fact that they're called it's called profanity yeah and the opposite of profanity is the opposite of profane is sacred mm-hmm. so i think it's kind of like especially this ties back to me reading shakespeare and just having my mind blown every single new poem that i read of his you you I think you believe in both or you believe in neither. Like, if you think that some words can be sacred, which I really do, Mm -hmm. I've never... I guess that's kind of the the goal of a wannabe writer or a poet is to eventually strive to achieve something close to that, Mm -hmm. what Shakespeare just woke up and just did in his... Yeah. Without even trying.
1: Yeah, meanwhile, because right now we're both reading through a different author. Yeah. And it's funny because Shakespeare just every single everything he's written was like sacred. Was sacred but then it's funny because Hemingway died trying to write one true sentence and it's not that his writing was a
0: similar, it's a similar yeah. quest though right I it know is. the style is different and the process yeah. different myself but there the point is there's a recognition that there is mm-hmm. such a thing as a one when you say one true one sentence, sentence yeah or like a perfect play the perfect sequence of words mm-hmm. and sounds can mean something akin to just like you know some really wonderful paint strokes that you look at and you know it brings you to tears and you don't know why like i think if you believe in that with speech or music like most people will, will agree that if they hear some really angelic singing mm-hmm. like there's something special to that yeah, and it's like if you, if you believe in that then you must it's only it would only make sense that you also believe in the profane or as we call it cursing you can weave like a really good magic spell a good witch or you can curse you can, you can make a curse on someone. And by the nature of these two things, we want to do the good thing. Mm-hmm. And the curse of a vein, we don't want to do. And so that's why I think we should want to do the good thing. And that's why I don't really like how how commonplace swearing is on the internet. I was trying to find some stats about whether it actually has increased with generations. I think it has, but that's just anecdotal because it could also be the case that just young people swear more than old people, and that's always been the case.
1: That's possible. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: But I just think in the ZoA scene, yeah, not in every single conversation. And also, even people who are pro-swearing, this is a neat rebuttal that I thought of, even people who are really pro-swearing will usually try to abstain around young children. Like you're not gonna go to a newborn baby and swear in front of them. They won't. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So it's like well, if it's just words, why wouldn't you do that? Because you have a recognition inside you that this is a pure thing, mm-hmm. this is an impure thing, and we should do our best to keep them separate. Mm-hmm. It's like if you treat a baby with that kind of reverence, you should you should also do the same of yourself mm-hmm. and of the other adults around you. I think
1: it's true.
0: Like why not? Why do we try to debase ourselves? It doesn't make sense.
1: Mm. Yeah, my first two thoughts about like how we communicate are very much along the lines of not swearing it was a positive tone which i already talked about a bit but also a more robust vocabulary because i think often you don't have the words to describe just how angry you were or just how terrible the situation was so people will rely on a swear word like it was like terrible yes. like not just terrible like it was like adding a bunch of swear words in because like if we just had better words for it and the knowledge and. The recall skills to bring those mm-hmm. to the to the conversation that I think we wouldn't rely on it so much. Yeah, which is I think a part of practice and a part of education. Also
0: non-verbals, like if you don't have yeah. words for it, that's where
1: punch your hands, your
0: punches, and your mm. ears, and your s- smile. Like what a crazy idea! Like smile as you say something happy, or yeah, or something joyous.
1: Oh my goodness, that reminds me. One time, we were in a group of people talking. And when I'm kind of nervous or trying to get to know people, I laugh sometimes as a sort of nervous way. Someone looked at me like, why are you laughing? I'm like, well, I'm happy. Like I was telling a funny story and I was laughing while telling it. Or I was telling you something that I was trying to lighten. And I suppose because everything's online, they're not used to someone laughing while talking.
0: Yeah, maybe you just seemed a bit deranged.
1: Maybe, but I don't think it was exactly that.
0: Maybe they thought you were laughing at them. Could be. Okay, I had a few more notes. One is, in the stories, scene, do talk about politics and religion. <laughs> I feel like
1: if you're going to skirt around that, your whole relationship with a person,
0: yeah,
1: then but you value like the relationship more than your values, perhaps to an extent.
0: Not just with one person, but with all the people. I think we are. This isn't a word, but we're under we're under conflicted. We're under exposed to ideological mm-hmm. criticism and conflict and yeah. throwback to our undergrads where every single lecture hall was a really sad and slow and just boring unproblematic, echo, unproblematic yeah. where no one could no one would say anything and yeah. i don't think it was because people were feared of getting cancelled yeah. i think it was more that we never even got to that point like mm-hmm. they're just not used to genuinely expressing any thoughts
1: yeah i think people now are so close-minded that you know even if you say something very simple perhaps that shouldn't cause a big Ooh, debate it will because we're not used to being confronted at all
0: but we shouldn't be afraid it's like yeah okay you say something about politics that causes a big debate like that's we how, should know how to
1: debate and not hate each other at yeah that event.
0: that's how humans socialize mm-hmm. like it's not like politics were any less controversial in ancient rome mm-hmm. maybe people would just talk about it that kind of thing yeah also i think this is more of a personal observation but I often think it's boring or I guess slightly below me but more that it just doesn't interest me to talk about local happenings like this new restaurant that street's busy directions Mm. new establishments
1: it's like drawn out small talk maybe
0: well it's that I don't I have a terrible sense of geography and Mm. memory I see like I wouldn't be able to name you a restaurant that I've been to in Montreal. (laughs) Even though I've been to, you know, double-digit OE's. But I just, I don't think to remember the name. And so, when it comes to discussing with people, there is no discussion to be had. Mm Because I don't even, it's like, well, where was it? I don't know. What was it called? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, that always kills it. So I do think, to an extent, you can teach yourself to have more socializable, socializing skills. Mm, like you can, I think so. You can really get good at knowing, for instance, the layout of your city so that if all else fails, you can be the direction guy if yeah. you want to. I mean, I don't really want to, but I'm saying like you can do this to yourself.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be a pop culture guy. Yeah, He's like, well, Harry Styles' new album. That's
0: what I mean. Like, I don't think you should try and force yourself to be interested in things that you're not. Like, when I moved to Canada, as we kind of laughed about, I tried to get into hockey. Mm -hmm. Desperately, I tried to start following hockey. Mm -hmm. But it's not something I cared for. Whereas directions, that's more of a skill. Like, Mm -hmm. that's something you can just attain that has social benefits also. And then my last point is just that you must, 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 must need to be yourself. Okay. Which the reason i emphasize the must so much is because if i just said be yourself i feel like people will roll their eyes because it's such yeah. a commonplace piece of advice but if you really take it to heart like if you really try and understand it what that means is that you're trying to present yourself to everybody in every single situation the same way mm. as you and i think we often don't do this because we're so judgmental that you can read a room and say, no one's going to like it if I start.
1: So you become a chameleon. And like Change.
0: Yeah, you become a chameleon and you become boring. You sanitize yourself with yeah, anything sure. interesting and anything about which you're actually passionate. As I say, you can read a room and say, no one's going to be interested in the sewer scene, in the books I'm interested in, in the movies that I just watched. Like, no one's going to care about that. Mm-hmm. And that might be the case. But what I'm saying is you should always be yourself anyway. You'll fail more often. Like you'll be, you'll, you, there'll be a faint sense of rejection more often mm. if you're expressing yourself with genuine enthusiasm for the new Studio Ghibli film. But it's the only way that you will ever succeed in finding someone who also cares about that new Studio Ghibli film.
1: Yeah, and sometimes they might say, "Oh, my brother is really into that," yeah, and then there's some kind of connection there. Yeah, because I remember when I met you, you were very into Nintendo games and such, yeah. and I wasn't. But my sisters both were. So we kind of bonded. Like I knew about them preferably through them. So we still bonded over that. And then you got me kind of into games. The rest
0: is history. Yeah. <laughs> now she's addicted. But it's the fact that we we make ourselves as boring as possible. Mm-hmm. And then this is kind of what I was getting at with my, my own uh, prior complaints about small talk. And then have the nerve to complain about boring people in small talk. Mm-hmm. It's like but you're one of them. Yeah. You're not differentiating yourself at all. Mm-hmm. And it's. Yeah, it is about the risk of appearing like a fool. Yeah, for sure. Which you do risk, and it will happen. Mm -hmm. But like I say, it's also the only way that you'll ever make actual friends. And I think this is also has an online, has an internet root to it, because we can always just say in our workplace or in our school or at the cafe, none of these people care so much about Nintendo, but my friends online, they love it. They love it. Yeah. But they're not real friends, so that's. I guess that's kind of my last point. Also, always act like the internet doesn't isn't a real place, which because it is. Yeah, because something else is when in conversation we say so frequently. Oh yeah, I was reading about this, mm-hmm. or I, I I saw a few people talking about Starbucks changing their Christmas mm-hmm. cups or something like that. It's like, but well, you didn't see anybody in the real world talking about this at all. Yeah, you read probably a, a headline from some really low level like tabloidy aggregator Mm -hmm. which found three people putting a gif on twitter and decided to try and package it as a real social phenomenon and then you're kind of doing the same proliferating it but it's like those people don't like that never happened in in the real world
1: yeah exactly i was listening to a podcast and the hosts were talking about analysis of the internet and they were going to those websites that are very like Very very far left feminist or whatever it might be, and then they searched who shared those on Twitter, and ten times out of ten, the people who shared them on Twitter were the far right people. Yeah, look at all this nonsense that they're talking about. It's like these are basically sometimes genuinely just created as a way to make people hate the left, but other times it was just like they're just three people who have this website and they have stupid ideas.
0: It's why touch grass is such a great like online retort because mm-hmm. it just means go outside i don't yeah. see anybody on the street corner talking about how jamie oliver should be cancelled for making jamaican rice <laughs> it's true because there, there aren't actually people doing that mm-hmm. so and you should only you should probably only concern yourself with what's happening in the real world
1: i agree my final point was just one word empathy oh <laughs> no. but i think we lack like it sometimes <laughs> especially because if you have empathy online and you're gonna be burnt out from caring. But then you don't have empathy in the real world and someone tells you that their dog died and you're like, that sucks. And it's it can even be like not an extreme thing, but if someone's telling you what their passions and you do not care. You're like, I do not care about soccer and stop talking about it. It's like having empathy would be like, Well, they are passionate about it. I'll listen, maybe retain a couple facts, maybe even look into it. Like you don't have to go that far, but it's just we lack open-mindedness and we lack empathy. Well you, so makes...
0: you find a parallel.
1: Exactly. Like That's why
0: empathy is similar to imagination. Like, yeah. if, if I'm telling you really excitedly about football, mm-hmm. Messi finally did this, it crowned his career, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You don't know about Messi, don't care about him, don't care about the World Cup. But that reminds me, I'm actually just going for my PhD. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a similar feeling. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? Like, triumph. Mm-hmm. So you, you can at least find... These kind of elemental parallels mm-hmm. in seemingly really disparate conversations.
1: Yeah, of course. But it's a skill and it's like takes practice and yeah. we laugh. So thank you all for listening. If you want to become a better speaker, start a podcast and listen to yourself for hundreds of hours.
0: This should be what we do now. Sign up.
1: Salutes.